Good afternoon. Good morning. This is Mark Johnson from Loyalty 360, welcoming you to another Loyalty 360 Thought Leadership in Loyalty series. In this series, we have the pleasure of speaking to the leaders and customer channel on brand loyalty about the technology that impacts brand's ability to drive unique experience and engagement. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Christian Selkow Hansen, who is the CEO and co-founder of Formation. Christian, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. You're very welcome. Uh, it's a pleasure to speak with you. Perfect. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about Formation, what you do, how you do it, what industries you play in? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we are an enterprise software company. Uh, we're headquartered in the San Francisco area. And with our solution, we help our customers uh, by building and strengthening their customer relationships uh, by automating the deployment of individualized offers uh, across digital and physical channels. Uh, and so typically our focus is uh, with companies who have a kind of known customer base, whether that's explicitly as part of a loyalty program, uh, or whether they simply have done a good job of matching up their data uh, for their current customers, and then okay. helping them connect those customers to content and offers that matter, uh, and ultimately driving an increase in lifetime value. Okay, great. Can you tell us a little bit about your role within the organization? Sure. Uh, so I'm one of the co-founders. Uh, I'm also a, a former partner at BCG Digital Ventures uh, and then have worked and lived and worked in the, the Bay Area uh, for about 15 years and have a background kind of in a variety of different software startups, including places like Zenga uh, and Square. Uh, and so we started formation about four years ago uh, and really wanted to leverage advances in AI, machine learning and automation uh, to help big companies connect with their customers at an individual level. Uh, Christian, can you uh, talk to us about uh, an instance where uh, a brand, a retailer, a airline, a CPG company may be leveraging in your technology in some unique uh, ways they're leveraging it and seeing uh, the results? Absolutely. Yeah, so one of our customers is a, a major U.S. airline, uh, and uh, we help them power uh, individualized offers uh, for all the members of their loyalty program. Uh, and so it ranges across you know, millions of people in the program uh, and is available at kind of all of the various touch points, whether it's web, mobile, email, uh, customer contact center. Uh, and what these offers do is they really help connect all the customers, whether they're highly engaged, moderately engaged, or very lightly engaged, to different products and services that they can engage with as part of the loyalty program beyond just flying. So it could be flying, could be credit cards, could be relationships they have with various partners, including hotels, rental cars, shopping, dining, kind of all the different ways that the airlines have connected their loyalty program to different things you can do. Excellent. Uh, the next question, uh, obviously it's a kind of a very challenging and unique time. Um, why do brands need to focus their attention on loyalty strategies in more in general, but also would love to hear from you, why should brands be focusing more on the loyalty strategies now in the midst of you know, this uh, kind of era of uncertainty? Yeah, you know, it, in, in really just an instant, it felt like we, we all have changed the way that we live, uh, we work, and we shop you know, in response to COVID. And, 
you know, these changes have created a high level of uncertainty, uh, not just for consumers, um, but also for businesses, and really even more for how businesses can best connect with their customers. You know, if we think traditionally about what loyalty has meant, you know, your best customers are going to be responsible for about 80% of your future profits. And, and really what that means is in this time of uncertainty, these are the customers you should be doubling down on. Uh, you should look to deeply understand how their behavior is changing uh, and what they need from you and recognize that that, is, that has changed as well. Um, and when you can adapt your approaches, your strategies, your tactics, and your communications to those changing customer needs, that's going to ultimately build a much stronger relationship. And that's, I think, particularly important in today's environment. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Okay. Any, any other thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I think the way that we we are tending to think about it is really to break it down into three different steps. Um, okay. You know, one is is to recognize that you have to update your understanding of the customer, and and what I would say is you focus on not just near term needs but the midterm, and thinking of um, what it means by near term. You know, if you are shopping, for example, and you're working, uh, you know, and we work with with grocery as one of the verticals. Um, you know, across retail and travel hospitality, as well as restaurant. In a grocery setting, it's clearly become an even higher level of need. Uh, people are going to the store more than ever because their alternatives, going to restaurants, for example, is something that you no longer can do. Uh, and it's as you move into kind of that, that phase of where you're also, uh, as a consumer, very concerned about your own health. Uh, and as a business, you're concerned about the health of your consumers as well as your employees. Um, you, you need to recognize that the needs have changed. Uh, and so, you know, in talking with, you know, grocery leader, it's, it's not about price and selection right now, as much as it is about, am I safe going into the store? And are you going to have some of the essentials that I need for myself, for my family, um, and that becomes the overriding concern. Uh, and again, it's, it's recognizing that shift in need and focusing on how do you help fill that initial need or that near-term need in the time of crisis. And when I say midterm, what it means is, you know, we are undergoing these rapid changes in behavior. Uh, and it's important to recognize those, but also make sure that you're creating a good path for the medium term. Uh, that you're not creating unsustainable uh, behaviors or, or ones that could be detrimental longer term to the customer experience uh, and to your relationship. Excellent. And I know uh, I have another follow-up question uh, to that. Do you think the changes that we've seen, and this has been a big topic we've had with a lot of our, our marketers, we have these small-sided meetings, we get to talk about the challenges they have. Do you think, uh, and data, right, the trust of the brand, and, and a lot of organizations are talking about this, is how do I get through this with empathy and trust and almost in that midterm perspective, right, forsaking some revenue opportunities? You can't keep be, be, you know, beating people over the head that to buy things right now, especially you know, one of the things that we know that people, uh, they look for 
solve problems for internal solutions. Most people build products that address external solutions. People don't necessarily want milk per se. You talk about grocery, right? They want milk and they, they're looking for the safety of their family, right? They have that highly emotive connection. In the short term data, I mean, are brands going to be focusing more on, you know, that zero party data, trying to engage with a shorter and smaller group? Because what you guys do, and, and obviously I know and read a number of your case studies, you guys do some amazing work. And you're driving significant behavior, but I think there's going to be a challenge potentially coming out of this that the trust factor may or may not change depending on how the brands navigated to you to your point short term, uh, you know, situation we're in. Hopefully, it's short term. It couldn't couldn't agree more. Um, yes, like in in any again in any time of rapid change, um, you can strengthen the relationship uh, by being kind of on point understanding those customer needs, or you can whiff, uh, you know, and I think as consumers, we're seeing, you know, those cases of both. Uh, we're, we're seeing kind of pre-programmed marketing communications continue to go out the door saying, hey, it's springtime, like buy a bunch of stuff. Um, that's not relevant. And if anything, resonates really off tune to today's consumer. Um, whereas I think, you know, I agree with your point, you know, if you're concerned about getting milk for your family, you know, one of the other things that is important from that grocery point of view is not to allow you to go in and buy out all the milk. Um, recognize that putting in place some, you know, recommendations and some education for the consumer saying, look, we're going to continue getting supply. You don't need to worry about oversupply. Um, that that's also really important so you know generally the way that again we're talking with our customers is to think of it a little bit in three phases uh you know the first phase is we need to support our communities we need to support the employees we need to support our customers educating them on how these changes and how they can continue to be safe like what we're doing and the actions we're taking as a business um and then the second is as we move into ideally kind of the areas where you know the curve is not just flattened but declining where we're seeing the beginning of a recovery or the potential for it to again educate on what does this mean like how should we be safe coming out of the recovery um how should we be safe kind of moving into the next phase and then the third phase that we're seeing you know and again is like how do you start bringing back some of those um, and enabling some of the behaviors that we know people will want to engage in, but they may not be sure about how. Um, and that's that's really kind of where you have, as a business, an opportunity um, to bring your customers back, to rebuild kind of your market share, and if you do it really well, to capture new share um, and be able to serve populations in ways that you hadn't been able to do before. That's awesome. I like that. That's uh, very cogent and, and comprehensive. So that's, uh, yeah, that was great to hear. Um, the, the next question that we have and we like to ask are, what are some of the effective elements of a successful loyalty program? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, um, this is a great question too. You know, I, I think loyalty programs need to actually change quite a bit. Um, you know, I think there's, if you can act in a way that is coherent and personal to a consumer 
throughout all the stages of their customer journey. That's a way to build true loyalty, to understand what their needs are and to make it possible for them to achieve their need and to do it with less friction uh, than they ever could before. That will keep people coming back. What it requires is a very high bar for relevance. Uh, and, and that's where I think today's loyalty programs have generally put in place one of the foundational building blocks for that, which is understanding your customer. And that starts with your data infrastructure. You know, can you match up, for example, your transactions by customer? Understand what are they doing? How are they engaging? What products are they purchasing? Um, having that granularity of understanding, that's really important. The next thing is though, what do you do with that granularity of understanding? And, and that's where we see some of the biggest challenges and, and most opportunity for companies today. Because, you know, I'm sure, you know, Mark, when you've talked with various leaders, you know, once you have your data, then you start developing insights. And you say, wow, I understand this about a consumer base or this about potentially this segment, or, or maybe I'm moving kind of from, you know, macro segmentation more into micro segmentation, but I wish I could get even more granular. The challenge that we often see is not that you lack insight, it's that you have no path to act on it in a scalable way. Right. And, and that disconnect between kind of that insight and the action, I think that's where there's a huge amount of potential for loyalty programs, but also a huge amount of change needed. Uh, because today's consumer, you know, they're, they're engaging with products that are effectively personal products every single day. You know, whether it's Amazon or Netflix or Instagram, you know, any one of those three, my interaction with Amazon or Netflix or Instagram is just for me. It makes sense to me. And your, you know, Instagram page is going to look completely different uh, than mine. And that's what consumers are getting used to. We're getting used to things being personal. And when you can't, again, connect the insights you have about a customer to how you treat them, kind of across not only your digital channels, but your physical ones as well, um, you, you're starting to create friction. Uh, and it's friction that consumers are, are going to increasingly choose not to have. That means if, if you can eliminate the friction, they're gonna choose you. And if you can, they're gonna choose a competitor. Uh, and, and so that's where I think, you know, the, you know, what we see is a lot of companies, you know, they have established a loyalty program often as a first chance to just you know, start to collect data, understand their customer base better. The next stage is kind of engaging, leveraging that data, and generally kind of this, again, macro segmentation kind of ways. The goal needs to be personal. It's all about addressing the individual's needs in the most effective way. That's awesome. Well, I think traditionally what we've seen is brands have a, a challenge, you know, listening to and understanding their customers, not hearing, but listening based on reciprocity, based on empathy, based on kind of a shared value exchange. Um, uh -huh. And I think that, that that definitely is changing and just uh, hopefully will continue to change. But I think one of the things I like about what you guys do is the simplicity that you enable for brands. There's so much jargon uh, in the market right now around artificial intelligence, around neural networks, on machine learning, on Nestbex action, personalization. You know, personalization, cadence management, segmentation was the number one challenge brands had in 2019 going into 2020 they were going to work on, obviously, uh -huh. uh, before some of this. But I think it actually makes that even more important. And, uh, you know, I, I think that brands that can 
doing it at scale, I think is your is is right on because you can have a relationship with 10, 20, 30 people, right? But when you start doing it at a scale, understanding what they have an interest in, using that zero-party data, it becomes hard to really do that at scale because systems aren't meant to do that. And some of the things you guys do in that regard is, is pretty compelling. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a great point. And, and, you know, maybe to tell, you know, or give an example that, that will probably resonate for quite a few people. You know, often when we when we start working with a company, you know, they're they're operating you know, if we think of these stages of stage one as kind of segmentation at a macro level, five to 10 segments, and stage two is more, you know, let's say like 20 to 30 segments, and then stage three is one to one, we, we often see people operating kind of in stage one and a half. You know, they're, they're, yeah. they're starting to get more sophisticated, and the, the challenge they have is, is scaling. And, you know, what we often see is, and this was true working with, you know, a, uh, you know, I would say customers across all these different verticals. Um, segmentation is intensely manual, and, and what I mean by that isn't necessarily like there's a let's say developing the segment and determining what differentiates one from another. So let's say if you start with like a k-means clustering, you determine kind of which factors uh, make the biggest differences. So you can say segment A versus segment B versus segment C. A lot of that is manual work. But then the next stage is where it really gets complex. And that's, well, what now do I want to provide or communicate to that segment to show them that I understand their need as a marketer and that I have a product or service that could help address that need, could help them achieve their goal and developing that messaging, developing that strategy, developing then the experiment to test whether my hypothesis is right to then analyze the results of that experiment and determine a winner and what I do next. That whole chain of events is manual. And if you have five segments, you have five different groups of people developing potentially all those different things, or maybe it's one, but then you have your throughput problem. They can only do so much. If you move from five, let's say to 50, you're increasing the level of work by 10x. And if you go from 50 to 100, you're doubling it again. And you reach this point of dramatically increasing complexity without necessarily seeing that um, because of the cost, that the ROI trade-off for your team. Okay. Um, yeah. And yeah. you know, as a point of comparison, when we start working with people, you know, last year we sent over two billion individualized offers, you know, across. 50 million consumers in the US. And that level of scale, you know, being able to operate at the individual person level, you can't get there through the challenges of today. As you said, like the systems just aren't built for it. Um, and, and that's that, you know, that's the thing about that insight to action gap is you have to close it. You, you have to build a pipeline to take those insights and put them into action. Um, and the pipeline, and kind of the, the way we think about it is, you know, we've invested in a system to help automate that pipeline um, and be able to take those insights and operate at scale. That's awesome. And I think the last question we have for you, you touched on a little bit throughout this, and I appreciate you doing that. Uh, but kind of holistically, how can formation, you know, help brands in, you know, improve the their loyalty programs, improve the efficacy of their loyalty programs? Yeah. Um, so at the highest level, it's making it more personal. 
um, it's being able to address um, the individual needs of each of the people in your loyalty program at the various stages of, of the customer journey. Um, and then more pragmatically, you know, what we do is uh, we allow you to individualize, let's say, offers or experiences. We allow those uh, offers and experiences to improve over time automatically through the use of AI and machine learning. Uh, we synchronize those experiences across channels so that you can have the same kind of offers uh, available wherever your customers are, which is, again, a really important part of how consumers want to engage with brands today. They want the experience to be relevant and have the same information across email and web and mobile and call center and all the other places, um, because otherwise it's disconnected. Um, and then we dramatically increase the execution speed so that instead of having it take, and again, this is something that through all of our conversations with you know, many different kind of CMOs and leaders across you know, the Fortune 500 and loyalty, you know, that segmentation problem and process it is often a th anywhere between three and five months from the time a campaign is developed as an idea to when it goes into market and to when it's measured. Um, that can be easily 16 or more weeks. We bring that down to less than 10 days. And what that means is dramatically increasing the throughput of your learning. So instead of only learning four times per year, now you're learning every week and you're adjusting every week. Um, and you can make significant differences in actually a very lightweight way by kind of amplifying the decision-making power of a marketer. Um, and the last thing we do is, is measure the impact. And I think this gets to, you know, I think some, some points just raised. You know, the kind of impact that being personal can really drive, it increases engagement, it increases completion, it increases your net incremental revenue uh, from your loyalty efforts, and it dramatically increases marketing efficiency, meaning the amount of marketing dollars or loyalty currency that you're deploying can be far better applied uh, and drive a much higher level of results. That's awesome. Well, Christian, thank you very much for talking to us today. Uh, very interesting what you guys are doing, and I think you are definitely addressing you know, one of the biggest challenges that we are seeing around customer loyalty is is doing personalization, doing it right, and most importantly, doing it at scale. That's that's, that's a huge challenge we have, and uh, helping brands listen to you know their customers in a kind of a deeper manner, which is great. Uh, look forward to hearing more from you in uh, 2020, and, and thanks for everything you do for the industry. It's I deeply appreciated. No, likewise, Mark. It was really a pleasure, uh, and it's always great to uh, to work with you too. So, look forward to doing more. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you.